The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. PFT Live is on the air, and my favorite Seinfeld aficionado is back with me. So there's a recent Brooklyn Cyclones. Uh, Elaine dance contest. Well done. Well done. I think contestant number two is the winner, but they all are winners. You're all winners. Well done. There it is. There's the winner. There's the winner. Just give her the trophy. Well done, uh, buddy. Elaine dancers. Is that her? No, Elaine. I don't know. One of them. They're all good. They're all good. Yeah. Peter King, it's great to have you back. It's been a long time. Now we've had some periodic appearances while you were on the road during your training camp tour, but this is the first time in a very long time that I see your background. You're in your home and you're stuck with me for two full hours. Welcome back and or condolences. Well, Mike, I'll tell you, I really, this is going to sound crazy to those who might say, geez, got to get up early, do the show, blah, blah, blah. I really miss doing the show. I love this show. And one of the reasons I really love the show is that it gives me a lot of ideas for what to do in my column. You know, it's a very selfish thing, but I've missed it. I love being, joining you on the road and, uh, you know, I got home this week after being away for 33 out of 37 days. And one of the things I realized is that I don't like being away from home for 33 of 37 days. It used to be, oh my God, great. I get to go here. I get to go there. And yes, it is great. I get to go here and there. I love that. But maybe seven out of 11 days, not 37, not 33 out of 37 but anyway, I'm back. Look forward to it and look forward to another year with you. I don't like being away from home for three of 37 days, much like 33 of 37 yeah. days. But it is quite the training camp tour. And I know that 
you get great access, great information, some great insights. And I agree with you. I like doing the show because the conversation draws out ideas that maybe I otherwise wouldn't have. Because if you don't have the conversation with somebody in kind of a structured setting, what are you going to do? Sit around and stare at the wall thinking like David Putty about what you're going to write about? You need to have the interaction that comes from this discourse. And it has been valuable, valuable excuse me, to me over the years and uh, very valuable during football season. So we'll see you every Friday this year. And next Friday we'll have a game to talk about because on Thursday night, if you haven't heard, people, Thursday night, Detroit Lions at the Kansas City Chiefs. The season begins with the Chiefs defending their Super Bowl crown against a team that a year ago, if we'd have known that the Lions would be the team to open the season with the Chiefs, we'd have said, what, did everybody else say no? (laughs) You know what is interesting about that, Mike? So in training camp, I spent a half hour with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who – was like my favorite guy on this trip. Uh, I didn't know him before we uh, sat down. I had talked to him once, but I did not know him. And he's a very bright guy. For those who don't know, Amon Ra grew up in a bilingual house, German mom, uh, you know, American dad, and essentially grew up speaking three languages because his mother wanted the kids exposed to all these languages. He ended up taking the SAT in German, French, and English. So he's got a little something to him. So what we ended up talking about was, I said, man, because what I wrote about out of Detroit is, are you guys ready for prime time? I know you finished eight eight and two in your last 10, and everybody here is excited. The day I was there, it was rainy, and the line to get into training camp was – like a line to get into a Taylor Swift concert. Not really, but something like that. And (laughs) so that day I asked him basically, you know, are you ready for prime time? And he he answered me in a very, very honest way. And I'm just going to read you one of the lines he said. He goes, I'm not going to, I'm not meaning about going to Kansas City opening day. He said, I'm not saying we're going to go out there and win. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just glad we have an opportunity to show we can do. Obviously, I think we're ready, but we have to prove it to everybody. We have to go out and prove it every week. And so they feel it. They feel the pressure. They feel America looking at them saying, what are you guys doing in the opener? And, and Mike, this is a big show of faith by Howard Katz, Hans Schroeder, uh, Mike North, uh, and Roger Goodell. This, the scheduling team and the commissioner, a huge show of faith that these are not your father's lions anymore. And they're not your grandfather's lions anymore. They're your great-grandfather's <laughs> lions. Going back to Buddy Parker and Bobby Lane, in the 50s. So they have a huge gamble right now next Thursday. And look, you'll have plenty of time to talk about it next week. But I just think it is a great, great storyline of week one. No matter how much faith you have in the Lions, are they ready to go to Arrowhead in the middle of all that emotion and play the great Mahomes 
and the great Andy Reid, who takes player, plays from janitors now, apparently. But they, are they ready to go and compete on the highest pre-playoff stage that there is, the opening game of the NFL season? And it really is amazing because they started last year one and six. They turned it around. And Pete Demolitis posed this question yesterday during the show. We were discussing the Lions, obviously. The idea that are we smitten with them? Have they become these darlings of the NFL simply because they won the last game of the regular season in prime time as we all watched? They went to Lambeau Field and knocked the Packers out of the playoffs at a time when the Lions had nothing to play for. It was kind of like a bowl game for them. They're not going on. They're not moving on to the next round. This is it. We get a showcase. Everybody sees us. We go win the game. And everybody loves us now. And they forget that we were 1-6. They forget that we have a horrendous defense. And now the Lions have this, this gleam to them that you could argue other teams should have either in addition or instead, like the Jaguars and the Steelers. Steelers made a great run down the stretch. Nobody's talking about, oh, Steelers this, Steelers that. Jaguars made it to the playoffs, made it to the final eight. Nobody's saying Jaguars this, Jaguars that. And if I'm a Lions fan, I'm very happy my team is relevant. But at some level, I'm thinking, I hope this is a check that they have sufficient funds to honor. I'll just say this, Mike. You know, you talked about what we all thought because I think we probably were waiting, I don't know, sometime around October 10th, 15th, 17th, that we were going to wake up one morning and we were going to read the headline, Lions Fire Aaron Glenn, Defensive Coordinator. And I found out, by the way, when I was there, that that was never a consideration by Dan Campbell, um, or at least he told me absolutely positively not a consideration. Uh, They fired one position coach uh, in the middle of that horrible defensive run. And look, at the end of the season, if you look at the final six games by the Lions, they gave up 19 points a game. Now... I'm not saying that's over a full season, obviously. It's over a month and a half. But the fact is, they really improved their defense down the stretch. They have two legitimate young pass rush weapons now. Obviously, uh, Aiden Hutchinson being the big star there. And I think their defense is going to be representative. However... It's one, it's one thing to say, hey, defense is going to be good this year, and it's another thing to have to go to Kansas City. And, and I'll just say this, Mike. you got to go to Kansas City and hold Mahomes to 28 or less to have a chance. I don't, I don't, I don't see the Lions scoring in the 30s. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But this is a big day for the Detroit Lions franchise and it's a huge day for Dan Campbell and his team because no one really is that convinced about him. I'm going to pick him to win the division. But then again, that's kind of damning with faint praise in the NFC North. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how they play on Thursday. Well, you raised the question of whether or not the Lions are ready for prime time. And I have to take advantage of the opportunity to do two things. One be a good corporate soldier 
and make a promotion for an event that is coming up on Saturday night with one team that may not be ready for prime time. And two, I'm going to tell you a story because I know you love a good story. I'm going to take you back to 1984 because tomorrow night West Virginia plays Penn State for the first Big Ten game ever on NBC, even though West Virginia isn't in the Big Ten and never will be. But who knows? Eventually, maybe every team in college football will be in the Big Ten the way it's growing. (laughs) Back in 1984, West Virginia had not beaten Penn State in nearly 30 years. It was a rivalry for us. It was not a rivalry for them. But in 1984, the Mountaineers had a good team. And there was a buzz. There was a vibe. There was a hope that the Mountaineers could pull it off. Now, I was not in school at West Virginia University at the time. And I had some friends from my hometown that also were not in school at West Virginia University, but we were determined to go to the game. And we were going to get into that game no matter what. We drove down to Morgantown. And ultimately, there was four of us. One was a student, so he was getting in. So he didn't really care about our predicament. But there were no tickets to be had, no tickets to be found. Nobody was selling. Maybe there were scalpers floating around, but we didn't have any money, or at least not much. So what we did, and I assume all statutes of limitations have expired on this. And it just gives you an idea of how lax security was at the time. We found a guy who was selling balloons. And we offered to buy his vendor pass from him. The little placard that he had tied to his, the loop in his jeans. We offered him $15 for his vendor's pass. He let his balloons fly. He gave us his vendor pass. We gave him the $15. And at the time also, if, if, if you had a ticket, they'd let you go in and out. So my, my friend went in who had a ticket, had the vendor's pass, came out, brought one of us in, came back out with a vendor's pass, brought another one in with the vendor's pass, came back out again, gave the last guy the vendor's pass. Three of us went in with a vendor's pass. So I don't know who else may have pulled a ruse like that that day, but I have a feeling whatever the capacity is at Mountaineer Field, well, I know there were at least three more that that are above <laughs> the total for that day. I have a feeling there were more than that, but I – and. By the way, West Virginia won. Jeff Hostetler was a quarterback. It was a great moment. It was fun. It was exciting. But uh, probably not going to come uh, out the same way tomorrow night for the Mountaineers. So that's why I got my Mountaineers shirt on today because it's going to be ugly tomorrow night, but it brought back some good memories from 39 years ago. Hey, my first question is, I wonder if you asked Jeff Hostetler, what was a bigger win for you, West Virginia over Penn State or the Super Bowl? You know, when he shocked the world and the Giants beat the Buffalo Bills. But obviously he'd say the Super Bowl, I would think. But yes. it, leads me just, it leads me just to believe that a lot of these games, and look, the NBC uh, Big Ten package is going to be interesting because some of the games obviously are going to be mega games, and some of the games aren't. But this game Saturday night, the reason that I think it's kind of interesting is that I know how much NBC is, or how excited NBC is about the game. They're going to have all the bells, all the whistles, everything, you know, with this game. So it'll be fun to watch. And, and look, just because West Virginia and Penn State don't play very regularly, it doesn't mean that 
there aren't a lot of people in those abutting states who don't hate each other and who don't hate each other's school. So it'll be really fun to watch. Very bizarre dynamic around here. Folks love the Pittsburgh Steelers and hate Pitt. And the same thing about Penn State. And it's a shame that West Virginia doesn't play them every year like we once did. It was automatic. It was every year. It was Penn State and Pitt. And now it's been years where that hasn't happened. Two quick points before we move on to business. West Virginia has beaten Penn State only twice since Dwight D. Eisenhower was president. And those are the only two West Virginia Penn State games I have ever attended. I have never attended a West Virginia Penn State game in which West Virginia did not win, even though West Virginia has only won twice since the Eisenhower administration. And second, if I had a chance to ask Jeff Hostetler about whether or not the Super Bowl win or the win over Penn State was bigger, because he was a Penn State recruit. They wanted to move him to linebacker, and he said, see you later. I'm going to West Virginia to play quarterback. I would ask him, when you found shaving cream in your shoes in the early 90s, did you immediately know Chris Sims had done it? That would be the question. Because <laughs> he did put mean, shaving Phil cream Sims. in Hostetler's shoes. <laughs> no, Chris put Chris, a young 9-, 10-year-old Chris in the locker room because Phil and wow. Jeff were locked in a battle. Chris hated Jeff, so Chris sprayed shaving cream. In Jeff Hostetler's cleats. Wow. So, <laughs> so anyway, I wonder if you know what I remember about by now. You know I'll tell you what I'll never forget about that Super Bowl. The weirdest thing. Okay, so when you were injured for a Bill Parcells team, you were a non-person. He didn't want you to be around the team because you know you weren't working, and so he Phil Sims that week during Super Bowl week was basically free to do, I, I don't know whether he had to go to the big team meetings or whatever, but during Super Bowl week, before the Buffalo game against the Giants, he saw me uh, Monday or Tuesday, and look, I had covered the team for four years and gotten to know him, and now I was at Sports Illustrated, and he saw me and he said, hey, what are you doing? What are, I, I said, oh, not much, and he, and he goes, do you want to go to dinner one night this week? I said, of course. So Phil and I, one night that week, went to Burns Steakhouse in Tampa. Had a great meal, you know, talked and everything. And I'll just never forget that week thinking to myself, here's the guy who, you know, the last time he was in a Super Bowl had the best game a quarterback ever had. And still to this day, nobody's been as efficient as 22 of 25 in a Super Bowl. And here he is just kind of out on the town while his team is preparing for the game, you know, having a couple of drinks, having a good time, having a big steak. And I just thought, what a, what a crazy world this is. But that is the year that Jeff Hostetler steered the ship and beat the Buffalo Bills when Scott Norwood missed the 47-yard uh, field goal 18 inches wide right. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask, great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice, I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and uh, that laid the foundation for eventually the Giants riding with Jeff Hostetler until he left, I think, for the Raiders, right? He left for the Raiders via free agency like in 93, 94, sometime around there. All right, let's get to it. Cooper Cup, Rams receiver, Super Bowl 56 MVP, had a hamstring injury several weeks ago. And Coach Sean McVay was, as coaches tend to be, very limited in what he would say and – no specific information, nothing concrete. He'll be back when he's back, basically. Well, he's been back for a couple of weeks, and now there's been a setback with that hamstring injury. Let's hear the update from Thursday from Rams coach Sean McVay. You know, I think we just take it a day at a time right now. We'll, we'll see. You know, we want to be able to get him back right. Um, you know, we're obviously a much better team when he's available, but in his absence over the last handful of months, um, you know, he's been out there leading in the way that he can. Uh, but those guys uh, that at the receiver position have really done a good job of continuing to develop. And, um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully uh, we'll know exactly kind of when he's back as soon as possible. But do have a lot of confidence in the depth that's been developed in that room. And uh, Coach Yarber and Coach Peets and Coach Black have done a great job there. Peter, of all the various injuries a football player can have, hamstring is one that I have had. And I know how setback happens. Setback happens when you come back before you should have. Because with a hamstring injury, it takes rest. And I know they've got other more proactive means of trying to get the muscle fibers calmed down and healed. But it takes rest. It takes time. And even when you think it's healed, it's still not healed because you find a higher level, you reach a higher gear, and that injury reminds you, hey, I'm still here, and it grabs. You feel it in the back of your leg. It just grabs you, and it's the worst feeling for someone like Cooper Cup who thought, I'm past this, who believed I'm healed, now set back, and the lesson to be learned is when they think he's ready the next time, they need to give it even more time to make sure it truly is healed. Mike, I don't know whether you have talked much about this or thought much about this, but right now, if you were projecting over and under on Los Angeles Rams wins 2023, just think about that how scary a proposition that is. Because, look, the Rams, we didn't think they were going to be good anyway before this. You know, you've got 
this this weird dynamic between Matthew Stafford evidently and his receivers where he doesn't feel like they're investing a lot of time and sort of building chemistry, getting to know each other, obviously from something that his wife said. And, and, and now the most important person not named Matthew Stafford in that offense looks like he's going to miss some time. And <clears throat> first of all, I question, are you going to be able to protect Matthew Stafford <clears throat> with this offensive line? And second of all, you know, do you have enough confidence, non-cup confidence, in Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell, Ben Skoranek? I mean, this is, this is potentially a very lean year for the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah, look, it's another installment on the back end of the price you pay to win a Super Bowl. And plenty of Rams fans will happily take it because they got that Super Bowl. How many down years are worth it to trade in a Super Bowl? There are plenty of fans out there that would take that Super Bowl and accept five, seven years of futility. But that's part of the price they're paying because they went all in and they created a cap problem. And now some of their star players are gone. They traded Jalen Ramsey away, for example. And, Peter, I look at their schedule. And for me, the key over-under win total isn't full season. For me, the key over-under win total is the first eight games of the year. At the Seahawks, 49ers, at the Bengals, at the Colts, Eagles, Cardinals, Steelers, at the Cowboys. Those are the games. The first eight, and I mention eight because what comes two days after the eighth game of the season? Trade deadline. Trading deadline. <clears throat> if they're yeah. two and six, if they're two and six through the first eight games, my hot take wild prediction, which may be rooted in some basic common sense, in fact, Aaron Donald's traded by the deadline. What do you think of that? Uh, I mean, I think Aaron Donald would be traded only if Aaron Donald wants to be traded. I hear right now he does not want to be traded. Now, who knows? Maybe two and will. Two and six. Two and six. I understand. I understand. I understand. However, you know, there are family considerations. You know, what will his, uh, what will his family want? And, and so all I'm saying is, like, there's all this talk right now that Aaron Donald is uh, going to play the twilight of his career for the hometown Pittsburgh Steelers. And I hear that's not going to happen, um, that he has grown into loving L.A., and we'll see what happens. But the one thing that I would say about that, you said two and six, and again, I'm not trying to be a harbinger of doom here, but it's not going to be much better, if at all, than two and six. And it might not be two and six. You know, obviously, you look at that and you say, okay, Colts and Cardinals. Okay, what else? And, and don't you think the Colts and the Cardinals are looking at the Rams and saying, man, we don't have a chance to win many, but that's a game we have to win. So I, I don't know. All I know is that Right now, when you're picking the bottom four or five in the league, the Rams look like they're going to be in that. 
And, you know, I'm interested in what you said about Aaron Donald because after the Super Bowl, the vibe was he wanted to get back to the Pittsburgh area. And my thought was not just Steelers, but AFC North. It's all a lot closer to Pittsburgh, that he had grown weary of splitting time between Pittsburgh and L.A., and you're out there for six, seven months of the year, and it really is two different worlds. It was no more starkly proven to me than when I was out there for 10 days for Super Bowl 56. Being in and around Pittsburgh my whole life and being in L.A. for 10 days, I could understand why Aaron Donald would want to be back to the place where he's more familiar because it is completely different. I'm not saying good or bad. It's just different. So maybe something's changed in the last year and a half. But that was the vibe back when they won the Super Bowl and he was thinking about retiring. Now that may have all been part of the leverage to get the Rams to dig deep. Because remember that also included he typed up a retirement letter and sent it to the team, which was a meaningless gesture. But it was all part of the effort to squeeze them to give him another contract. And they did. So the way that contract structured, after this year he walks away with no financial penalty of any kind and after this year he very easily can say just trade me and get value for me or I will retire but my concern is as it falls apart again if it falls apart again and you develop that sense of despair and you're seeing other teams thrive and you see other teams maybe I'd like to join that team we get to October 31 if they're two and six or worse and you're right Cardinals and Colts are going to circle that Rams game hey We better bring everything we have those weeks because this may be it for us this year. Two and six may be the best case scenario for the Rams unless they got unless they got a surprise that we're not aware of. And it's just something to keep an eye on the chatter because you know what happens. What do we do? We got an army of people covering the NFL coast to coast. We're going to be looking for the names that could maybe be attached to trade possibilities. And for me, the one I'm going to be watching from the get go is the Rams, especially if they start 0-3 against Seahawks, 49ers, and Bengals. And they'll be underdogs by, what, 7 to 10 points in each of those games. I think it's wise to watch that and to see what happens. And anything can happen, Mike. You know, feelings can change. Emotions can change. uh, And you never know at that trading deadline what would, for instance... You know, a defensive tackle needy team give for Aaron Donald in his 10th year. And, I mean, that's for a guy who has been beat up as much as he has. My big question is, would a good team, and and let's just throw this out there, would a good team, would the Kansas City Chiefs give next year's one to the Rams for Aaron Donald? I think if Aaron Donald said, I'll give you a year and a half, they would do that, I would say for sure. And there are, there's a lot of teams that I think, you know, good teams, that if he could do that, I would bet that that team would give a one. But if you're the Rams and people are talking, well, we'll give you a three and a two for him or something like that, it's got to start with a one and you're not doing, you're not doing it unless it's a one. Right, but here's the thing. If you're two and six and you're staring at the very real possibility he's going to retire after the season, anything you get is gravy. 
you're getting something for a guy that you may get nothing for. Now, after the season, you could trade him with that one year left on his contract. So maybe that's the analysis. What are they offering now as we rush toward the deadline versus what could we do in the offseason when we can maybe get more teams to the table? And one of the big talking well, points as we approach the start of the league year is who's going to pony up the most for Aaron Donald? See, I don't think that that's realistic. And the reason is you have to – the only way I would do this if I were another team you know, this isn't, there isn't a Rams-Von Miller situation here where remember that the Rams, they ended up only getting half a season, although he was very valuable in that Super Bowl, and they may not have won the Super Bowl without Von Miller's impact late in the fourth quarter of that game. But if you're the Rams and you are thinking of letting one of the five, six, seven best defensive players of all time go, then I think you have to make sure that you get a premium for him. And, and just the one other thing I would say, if you're a team that wants to acquire him and you're Andy Reid and you're Brett Veach, and I'm using them as an example, I have no idea whether they would, you know, stretch their cap to try to do this. I'm just using them as an example. But before you would make this trade, you'd have to say, we're not doing this for eight weeks, nine, nine games. We're not doing that. You know, if you would commit to us to play in 2024, then we will trade a one for it. But if not, I agree with you. If, if all you're guaranteed is the rest of this season, I wouldn't trade a one for that, no matter how valuable he would be in the second half of this season. And you never know which team is going to be that one that may do a Vaughn Miller-type deal. And that would be the Rams' counter to it. Why do you need a guarantee he's going to play beyond this year? We gave up significant assets to get Vaughn Miller, and we only had him for the rest of the season, and he helped us win a Super Bowl. So, And it all is going to be happening under a very compressed time period with a ticking clock toward the Halloween deadline. It's just something to keep an eye on because I agree with you. This could be a lean year for the Rams. Now, the good news for the Rams is the bar is low, so anything they do that is positive is going to make people say, hey, how about the Rams? We didn't expect this. And what a, what a turn of events. 20 months after they won the Super Bowl, less than that. They're a team that we're just looking at saying, oh, well, maybe they'll win five or six. It's just amazing how quickly they've fallen apart. Another team that's had a fairly – Steep fall since winning Super Bowl 55, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, although they're hopeful this year because they're in a very wide-open division. Word broke overnight from Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times that the Buccaneers and receiver Mike Evans have reached an impasse in their effort to extend a contract that expires after this season, and Evans is likely to leave the team. Now, you may say, well, what about the franchise tag? He's got a cap number in excess of $23 million this year. By rule, the franchise tag would cost them more than $28 million to keep him around for one more year. So they're not getting a deal done. And as Stroud says, who's been covering that team forever, he's likely gone after this year. And he's got nine years in the NFL, nine 1,000-yard-plus receiving seasons. He's going to try to go 10 for 10, walk into free agency at age 30, something I didn't expect to have happen. I never expect to see Mike Evans in anything except pewter and, and red or creamsicle a couple of times a year. But – Peter, it looks like that's going to happen. 
You know, the great thing about Mike Evans, to me, for as physical a player as he is, he's missed nine games in nine years. So, honestly, Mike, if he has his typical year, which is no gimme this year, because obviously, if you look at that team and you look at that quarterback, I mean, nothing is guaranteed this year for this team. But if he plays, if he plays out this year, and essentially, if he plays a 10th straight year being durable and being very productive, because every year, you're right, he's had a 1,000-yard season. If he does that again, I think somebody steps to the plate and gives him a good three-year deal. Uh, maybe not quite what he would want. Maybe it isn't exactly $20 million a year, but... You know, it's going to be 18-plus a year and maybe 20. So, you know, to me, I think Mike Evans, if I were him, I'd play it just like the way he's playing it. This will probably be the last contract he'll ever get in football. And I would think that going to the market is going to maximize what he can earn. I thought this quote from his agent, Derek Gilmore, was very surprising. He said per Stroud. It sickens Evans to see players hold out and get rewarded when he does everything for the organization on the field, in the community, off the field, working with other players in the organization. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's always been that way. Mike Evans is a guy that you easily take for granted because he shows up, he puts in his work, he keeps his mouth shut, and I've always respected how quiet he is. But that has caused him to not really be noticed the way that he should be nationally. And I think it causes the Buccaneers, who have plenty of other spinning plates to worry about, to not really pay as much attention to Mike Evans as they should have. And here we are now where we're entering what could be his last year with the team. And, Peter, to follow up on the point that we were talking about with Aaron Donald, Mike Evans is another guy if the Buccaneers struggle. And who knows what it will take to fold your tents in the NFC South because the division is so wide open and there isn't a great team. They may not be in a position where they could say, well, let's go ahead and trade off Mike Evans, but that's another guy to watch. Another potential, hey, look, what, what could he add to a contender on the fly if the Buccaneers feel like it's just not in the cards this year, let's go ahead and trade him for value now. And a lot of people might be sitting there saying, well, geez, if you're not going to pay Mike Evans, who are you going to pay? Well, you know, I think the Buccaneers probably would look at it and say, you know, in 2018, we paid him a five-year, $82 million contract, $16.5 million average per year. And for a couple of years, that stood up as as a gold standard in what wide receivers were paid. But obviously, everything inches up. And this year, total cash, Mike Evans is going to make $14.5 million. And I'm sure he's thinking and his agent is thinking, the Bucks have to step to the plate and do what's right and get him up to the $20 million range. I get it. That's probably fair and right and all that. But you ask yourself this question if you are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay? How long right now for a 30-year-old receiver. How long into the future for a guy who has been durable to this point? How long into the future do we want to guarantee him a huge amount of money? 
And, you know, obviously, if you look at the numbers here, if you are Mike Evans, you know, I mentioned 20 million before, and obviously that has been bypassed a long time ago. So, you know, obviously he's going to want more than that. I'm sure he'd want in the A.J. Brown range at least. So to me, I understand exactly why the Bucks are trying to hold the line a little bit. But I understand why if you're Mike Evans, you're in the last year of a contract. And traditionally, that's when players get paid. So I don't know. I, I, I can see it from both sides. And if I'm Mike Evans, I want to hit the market now. 30 years old. He just turned 30 10 days ago. Can we put the graphic back up? He's believed to want, according to Rick Stroud, the Cooper Cup package of three years and $80.1 million, which works out to the 26.7. So that would put him very close to the top. And look, that's an accurate depiction of the numbers from OverTheCap.com. But as I always mention when we show this graphic, the Tyreek Hill average is Fugazi. It's got a bloated back end specifically intended to drive the total average up to 30. It's never going to be worth 30 million a year. Just like Alvin Kamara, 15 million a year, a bloated back end at 25 million that drives the average from 12 and a half to 15. So the top of the market is 28. That's the top of the market. And 26.7 is pretty damn close to it. The Bucks aren't going to pay him that. And Peter, on the open market, 30 going on 31 depending upon how healthy he is coming out of this season. I don't know because now Justin Jefferson's going to have a contract by then. I assume if not, the Vikings may have a problem. Justin Jefferson may go above 30 with real money, but it's going to be a tough call to see whether he can get that Cooper cup contract. Cause I feel like the biggest receiver contracts are truly reserved for the best of the best because you can find receivers in the draft, young guys, second round, third round, it's almost kind of like what happens with running backs, but not nearly as bad yet. The great receivers still get paid. How great will Mike Evans be regarded as after this season? I think that is going to drive where he lands on that scale Mike, that we showed. Is he near the bottom or is he near the top? Mike, that's where he's hurt now, playing with Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask or whoever it's going to be. Um you know, and look, everybody is saying, well, wait a second, they're not going to be that bad. Look, you know, there's every team plays 17 games. Every team's going to have a one and loss record at the end of the year. And everybody is not going 11 and six. And it, it, it kills me a lot of times when, when people say, oh my God, how can you only say that the Rams are going to win four games? How can you only say this? And and, you know, I got a lot of guff in the uh, preseason or in the offseason when I rated the Bucks 31st on the list. And, uh, you know, I don't know if they'll be 31st, but they're not going to be 9th. They're, they're not going to be 16th. Uh, I, and somebody's going to be 31st. Somebody's yes. going to be. That's so, the that's thing. That's what drives me crazy. Somebody's only going to win four games, crazy. folks. I know yeah. everybody's juiced up about their teams and they're zero and zero. And the NFL loves to pump up that balloon of plausible hope. But the reality is there will be crappy teams this year. It it's impossible for it not to happen. There's no way everybody's going to be nine and eight or eight and nine. And even then yeah. somebody's going to be 31st when it's all said and done. 
And the other thing is, Mike, I think, you know, so, okay, everybody automatically has the Cardinals 32nd. That's the easiest, uh, it's the easiest team to project. But, you know, the bottom line in this whole thing is by the end of the year, by midseason, we're going to see that there's a lot of lousy teams. There is every year. That's just the way it goes. And nobody wants to even admit the possibility on September 1st that their team is going to stink. A lot of teams stink because they stink every year. And so everybody needs to have a tabula rasa effect and wipe the slate clean and say, who knows what's going to happen? And yeah, we can love, I can, I can think the Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions and the Seahawks and some of these teams that are, have been regarded as middling teams maybe through the offseason, I think are going to be better than middling and maybe a lot better. But it all doesn't matter. We're all throwing darts. We're all taking guesses. But somebody's going to be the 31st team. And, you know, stop throwing stones at people who say your team might be the 31st team because you know what? It might be. And as we get closer to the start of the season, it's amazing. The voices get louder. The venom gets more potent. We were talking about the AFC East the other day, and I dared to mention there's a possibility the way this plays out, the Bills end up in fourth place. And, oh, my God, oh, my God, you would think that I have committed some sort of sacrilege on their field or, you know, (laughs) that I've I've defiled Thurman Thomas's uniform in some way. I mean – Somebody's going to finish in fourth place, and nobody wants to hear now. Patriots fans don't want to hear it. Bills fans don't want to hear it. Jets fans don't want to hear it. De- Jets fans definitely don't want to hear it. And Dolphins fans don't want to hear that there's four of you, and you're, you're all pretty good, and the Patriots still have Bill Belichick last time I checked, and one of you is going to finish in fourth, and you ain't going to be happy about it then, and you're definitely not happy about being reminded of the possibility now, and I think that's what it comes down to. Peter, everybody wants to get to get swept away by the idea that we got a chance this year. Hey, look, I sat down yesterday because my column on Monday is going to be, here's my Super Bowl pick. Honestly, it's pretty easy in the NFC for me without giving away trailers or whatever that, whatever I'd be, spoilers. But in the AFC, and I'm dead serious about this, I, I have looked at it 15 times and, you know, one, I, I, I get up and go and have dinner uh, last night with Ann and, and, and I said, okay, I'm picking Buffalo. And then I say, well, wait a second, wait a second. I don't, I don't like picking the team, you know, that won it last year because too seldom a team wins it two years in a row. Um, and so, and then I think, man, you know, if Burrow's calf is okay, I got to pick the Bengals. They were so good at the end of last year. Fluky loss, whatever, and all that. But, and I could pick, I, I could pick the Jets. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go into the season horrified if I picked the Jets. They might really be good with that defense. But, but anyway, I don't have a great idea right now as I sit here at 7.44 on Friday having to write the column this weekend, I don't have a great idea who I'm going to pick to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. So I'm asking you for your advice. When in doubt, ride with Mahomes. That's my advice. 
because we've seen it too many times now. Five years as a starter, he finds a way to pull a rabbit out of his hat and or his butt. Down 10 points in the Super Bowl with seven minutes left, they win. Down 10 points in the Super Bowl in the second half, they win. Tough situation against the Bengals. It felt like Cincinnati's going to drive down the field and win. Chiefs win. There's just something about that that I think continues to grow. And when you get back to the postseason this time, the Chiefs are going to be even more confident of their ability, no matter what adversity they face, to win. And eventually, Peter, I think it has an effect on the other team. Thinking, oh, God, here he goes again. Here it comes. So, and even then, even 19 then. Year, 19 years, Mike. 19, 19 years. All, all good things must come to an end. always happens. Yeah, all and it could. Come to if, anybody's gonna, time. if anybody's going to beat it, if, if anybody's going to beat it, it'll be Mahomes. But, man, I, that's, a, that's a long time without a repeat winner. That's all I'll say. Well, the difficulty of Peter to discern the AFC is not for lack of information about the teams. He had an extensive training camp tour. We're going to recap his biggest takeaways from his visits with the AFC teams when this Friday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I have a charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. 